Hi there, this is Ed McGuire, Insights Partner with Momenta Partners. Welcome to the Momenta Intelligent Edge podcast series, where we feature leading practitioners and thinkers across connected industry and the broader technology landscape. Good day, everyone. This is Ed McGuire, Insights Partner at Momenta Partners with another episode of our Edge podcast series. And with us today, we have Param Singh, who's head of Cisco IoT Platform and Partnerships. Now, Param is uh, a technologist and also a, a writer, uh, a thinker, a, a keynote speaker, and really a thought leader. And we've been uh, going back and forth in a couple of interesting conversations. Uh, he's got some, uh, I think, some really insightful takes on the state of the market. And looking forward to diving into our conversation today. So, Param, it's great to have you. Hi, Ed. It's, uh, it's always good to talk to Momenta folks. I, I remember, uh, I think, to way back to 2013 when we were still wondering what uh, this IoT thing was. So it's uh, always good to chat. Yeah, so let's first start a bit with your, uh, with your, if you could share a bit of your background and, you know, what, what has shaped your perspective on, uh, on, on this, this crazy market that we call IoT? Yeah, so it's a little bit of background. I've spent equal amounts of time in large companies, uh, you know, like Apple, Oracle. Um, I've spent about eight years each and then startups, uh, three different startups. And um, uh, so I'm always looking for the next major uh, wave uh, to ride. Um, and so I got onto the IoT side uh, in 2013 when I founded a company called IoTrax. Um, and it came from a foundation of doing embedded technologies at Oracle, uh, based on Java embedded. Um, so for me, it was, it seemed like a logical extension of the work that was happening on devices, but in a more standardized way. Um, so, so it was very exciting. And, uh, and I think, you know, it's been a long journey. Um, these five years, um, have been, we've seen a lot of change already. Um, but in some ways, it's the market still remains very nascent. Yeah, no doubt. It's, um, I mean, this is a, or, and, and even as, as we describe the market, I think you, uh, you've been publishing a, a series of some, some really provocative uh, blog posts. And uh, one of them, in, in one of them that you, you title it, uh, is IoT a viable market? And I think that's a question that a lot of uh, a lot of people have, or you know, whether it's a buzzword or a or a market. But we'd love to get uh, you know, a, a sense of your 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 take on the on the question they ask there. And and could you share a bit of the you know the insights in in that um, in in that blog post? Yeah, it, it came out of a dinner conversation where there were lots of folks uh, you know poking fun at IoT and is IoT dead? And uh, the end of the conversation, it really was that I, is IoT a concept uh, or an architecture rather than a market? So, um, and I definitely took the position that it, you know, that, that's the premise of the question, is IoT a market? And, and the answer seems to be that it is not a market per se. Uh, it is a architecture um, that allows you to feed data into, into markets. Um, and, and then the question becomes, what are those markets, right? Um, and we can talk a little bit about that, too. 
so could you, you know, what is, um, you know, what's been the, uh, the experiences that you've had that have, that have shaped your view of the, of the market? Can you, can you point to some kind of key, uh, key, key events or, or people that have, that have had an impact on your views? Yeah, so I think if you look at IoT, um, literally every company that I can think of um, has people uh, whose titles seem to be associated with IoT. Um, you know, whether it is uh, um, uh, it's in the enterprise or young startups. So what has been most informative has been the number of pilots and projects that are done not only um, you know, in, in, in the startups and enterprises. But what, what's common amongst them is that they all tend to, uh, there are two extremes. One extreme is that the existing enterprise uh, segments, like uh, enterprise asset management or supply chain or transportation. And on the other hand, we have, you know, connected widgets. Uh, um, and more and more, all the ones that are connected widgets have a hard time proving business value. Um, and hence all the, all the POCs and pilots that, that, that aren't replicable and don't, don't go anywhere. And on the other hand, I can see that existing segments, um, let's just stay with the enterprise asset management. I happen to like it a lot. Um, uh, where you, by adding contextual information about, uh, about a particular asset, um, and let's say the asset is in manufacturing, you are, you're providing net new value. Um, uh, to that particular asset. Um, so enterprise asset management, which again, there's a well-defined market. Uh, there's a, a, a Gartner magic quadrant around it. So within that market, there is a segment of growth, which is context-based uh, awareness, uh, right? So CBA. And uh, that context can come from... Um, uh, uh, sense of data, and it might be just the location, it might be, is it on or off, uh, visibility into the data um, as just basics that feed value-added information to an existing market. And, and there are a number of other examples of, of market segments that are benefiting from the data feed from IoT. Yeah, in, in many respects, I mean, when you talk about enterprise asset management or, or you know, uh, asset monitoring and product monitoring, I mean, these are these are established, uh, you know, market segments, and and uh, I mean, how you know, what is the you know, what is the real uh, the di the difference when you start adding uh, new data? I mean, are 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 we just expanding on existing concepts, or do you you know do, do you do you see you know really new uh, new ideas uh, emerging out of the you know the this this uh, this drive to connect assets in a new in you know in in great numbers? Yes, so it definitely is adding uh, the contextual information. Um, but I think once you have that visibility and you can correlate it to other elements that are uh, you know, other, other content feeds, um, then those two together uh, really give you, you know, better visibility or uh, predictions or um, the ability to optimize, you know, for, for optimization. Um, which is not possible by itself today. So I think implicit in that um, is the fact that IoT data by itself doesn't give you all of that information. 
the traditional uh, uh, traditional attributes of an asset don't give you that information. It is it is in context of both of those feeds that it becomes valuable. And and you can see this happening in all kinds in transportation. You can see it happening in supply chain. Um, uh, and a variety of other market segments. Yeah, the um, I know there 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 been a number of uh, you know, proof of concepts and pilots uh, you you've talked about you know that that have been uh, really designed to establish value. And and I think if, when we look at this market, I'd be I'd love to get your take on why the you know what we call the industrial IoT market has. Uh, has been a lot slower to you know, to 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 really take off uh, than I think some of the initial expectations. If we go back about four or five years ago, and there were some uh, some some quite ambitious uh, growth expectations in, in the market, you know, what, what what's your take on on the really the pace of adoption and and ex, and the alignment or misalignment with expectations that that had been uh, that had been set back when a lot of this uh, a, a lot of the real corporate interest in in IoT was taking off. Yeah. So if you if you look at the promise of IoT, it, it seemed to be that you attach, uh, you know, you you attach uh, some uh, sensor to a device, you connect it, and uh, and the outcome will be realized. Um, I think we're all realizing that it's harder for several reasons, and I outlined them. Um, in in my uh, one of the blog posts on LinkedIn, uh, which was you know the long tail of IoT, and a majority of these pilots etc are on the long tail, um, and the reason tends to be there it has required a greater degree of customization um, by use case. The the sensors vary, protocols vary, um, the connecting into existing systems is not as simple as one uh, might have expected. Uh, again, in enterprise software, we should have known that, but uh, I think hype and, and uh, enthusiasm would lead us to believe it would happen right away. Also, the cost structures um, involved in, in the sensor, many times they might be okay for a pilot, but they're definitely not going to be uh, okay for uh, at a scale um, where the business benefit um, it doesn't justify the, the, the very, very high cost. And the cost is throughout the, the layers of IoT. It could be the sensor itself, which are new in many cases. Um, uh, it is the fact that they need to be maybe packaged and ruggedized uh, because they're not going to work in the industrial environment. Taking a Raspberry Pi and trying to put it on a shop floor might work uh, uh, for a pilot, but you're going to need hardened um, sensors and gateways um, uh, for those environments. Uh, the connectivity is more complex than one might uh, initially uh, look at. Um, and then the degree of customization required uh, into to integrate these into the enterprise applications, I, I think, also has been um, underestimated. Um, other business factors are um, probably not adjusting the business model, trying to sell uh, you know, uh, using existing perpetual licensing mechanisms, uh, not understanding who uh, who has the budget, uh, whether it's OT or IT, uh, and engaging, perhaps doing a pilot with one side and not involving both. 
because um, when you get to connectivity, it's probably IT. Um, but when you actually look at the business outcomes, it might be OT. Um, and I think some of the other factors are um, that the, the devil really does lie in the details of the business outcome. So, uh, uh, so one really has to go through that, look at the technology, look at the scalability, look at the cost structure or the total cost of ownership. Um, and, uh, and the time, uh, uh, needed to realize value. So again, these, they all, these, uh, items are all listed in the, in the blog post. Um, uh, but the key is that as you walk into a project, being able to have a checklist that says, um, you know, is this, will this readily scale? Um, and if you go through that checklist, then you might, uh, save yourself and the company a lot of uh, angst and pain by either, uh, you know, uh, architecting it better where you're looking at both business factors as well as technology factors or, um, you know, looking at the cost uh, of ownership up front rather than having to run into this after the pilot has been deployed. Do you think there's been a uh, uh, a lack of, of methodologies in, in terms of being able to calculate ROI, uh, I mean, it's it, it certainly uh, there's been a you know fair amount of discussion that er, you know early proof of concepts were were more focused on just connecting devices and 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 seeing what could come out of the data. But uh, um, you know, how do you, how do you what what you know what have you been some of your observations about the uh, the challenges of of being able to quantify our ROI to be able to scale? And I think that you know the point that you made earlier was that uh, that a lot of, that early proof of concepts or early projects may have underestimated the amount of integration effort uh, needed really to, uh, you know, to, to bring some, you know, to bring a project to, to fruition. Yeah, no, no, totally. Um, in fact, all my integrator friends, um, uh, you know, when they look at IoT, um, of course, they have the mechanisms of calculating it. You know, uh, it's a well-honed art from integrators. But, but I think the, 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 the just the cost structure of deploying the pilot, uh, in many cases blows the ROI, uh, out of the water, uh, or the level of customization and the surprises along the way. Um, so, so I think those have been the challenges and, and actually talking to, uh, you know, your friends in, in the industry who have been doing ROI studies and looking at what the variables that go into it. And taking those into account early on in the process uh, might be a, a good pragmatic step. Yeah. Are, now, are, are there any uh, you know technology hurdles or or, or enablers that that you think may be uh, underappreciated at least in the market? And and I think I know you you've got a you've got a great appreciation for the you know the complexity of of technologies across the stack but you know where 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 may there have been disconnects uh in uh either viewing how how easy technologies would be to uh or how much leverage there would be or or how difficult there would be to deploy certain parts of the stack yeah, I, I think uh, I'll just take one to kick it off, uh, which is we, we all knew that there's, uh, uh, you know, whether it's 50 billion devices or 10 billion or 100 billion devices, that there's a vast diversity 
in the type of equipment uh, and the type of sensors that would be needed across a very big number, across a large number of markets. Um, so, but the, the 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 complexity in 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 the you know the, the protocols, the traditional legacy protocols. I learned protocols, you know, that I didn't know existed, uh, uh, even from the enterprise side or industrial side. So that protocol layer, the connectivity layer, um, and then the integration to the enterprise, completely underestimated. Um, majority of projects just. Uh, uh, get bogged down uh, in that uh, connectors to different sensors. So the protocols, the connectors, uh, the network layer, um, and making them all work seamlessly. And I think the even more importantly, you may get a sensor or type of machine um, uh, connected all the way through and get data. But then if you wanted to go back and make any changes, you needed a new tag um, uh, of data from, an, uh, from a, a, a sensor from the machine that you hadn't accounted for before, you have to go and redo that process. Uh, I, I don't think there's a, there's a well-architected uh, well process to deal with the variation or deal with going and making iterative changes. Uh, it's been extremely time-consuming. Well, that sounds again like very much like the role that a that an integration platform would play. But uh, as uh, as as you're probably uh, you know closely acquainted with as 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 uh, as many are. I mean, there are many many platforms. I'd love to get your your sense of the uh, really the state of the market of of platforms, and and I know there are. You know there are hundreds by some some counts, but uh, you know why haven't we seen one uh, that's emerged that could be you know close to a a, a, a best practice or a or, or a de facto standard uh, in the market for you know ex exactly the types of uh, situations that you're looking for? I, and I just would preface that by saying that you you have you had companies like like Informatica and uh, and Talend or 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 Boomi. Uh, Dell's Boomi and and SnapLogic and other you know, traditional data integration and uh, enterprise application integration platforms, but uh, IoT seems to be very much uh, very fragmented, and we've seen this cambering explosion of uh, of solutions. Yeah, so I think on the uh, if we break it up into two types of platforms, ones that are focused on the cloud, um, you know, the application enablement platforms, and then the ones on the edge. Um, I think as the large cloud vendors um, start building out their platforms and make them available at scale, uh, I think we'll see consolidation and alignment around uh, those a lot sooner. Um, you've also seen some exits of uh, application enablement platforms. Um, I, I think they're on the edge. Um, There's just again back to the variance of the types of machines and sensors. Um, I think you see a lot of industrial vendors that have equipment that they're selling, you know, building management systems, this, that, and the other. Um, they're, because of the variance, they all want to optimize for their set of sensors and then extend from there. So, so I think we'll continue to see more variation on the edge, and we might, might start seeing some consolidation around the big cloud uh, vendors who are all focusing their energies on adding, um, you know, IoT 
uh, IoT hubs or IoT pass platforms on top of their, their current infrastructure. Yeah, the you had alluded as well to the, uh, I guess the, maybe the a bit of the maybe walled garden is is a bit extreme but the you know highly proprietary mindset of traditional industrial companies and the challenges of connecting OT or operational technology with with information technology could you share some of your uh, your your perspective on that bridging that transition what are some of the uh, the most challenging aspects of that you've seen in bridging the traditional industrial tech and, and information tech uh, mar markets and, and, and cultures? Um, yes. So, so I think uh, traditionally, I think we all know that, um, you, you know, OT and IT only uh, interacted minimally when they actually had to. Um, more and more, as you have these security breaches and, you know, that you not cry virus, etc., um, it has become clear to the organizations that they do need to start working together um, on the networking side. Or if an OT uh, department starts installing the network, um, how do you ensure that, uh, you know, uh, users that are bringing their own devices on the IT side, they aren't connecting it to the OT network? Um, so, so I think just because of the, uh, uh, they're being forced into working together, it doesn't mean that uh, they may or may not come kicking and screaming, and it also varies by organization, right? There is, there is no one size fits all. Um, so I think the, the integration is starting slowly, the dialogue starts, and uh, I think the security considerations will drive a lot, a lot closer working relationship between IT and OT, uh, but it will take time and it will vary. Um, I think the integrators also will play a critical part where, uh, um, where there might be uh, a default integrator uh, that can be trusted on both sides. Um, um, and it, it really is, you'll have to pick one that has had an OT practice uh, for a considerable amount of time so that they can actually come in, take the set of best practices from both sides, uh, get everyone to the table. Um, in addition to that, we are starting to see that there are job roles being defined in IT that are targeted at interfacing with the OT organization. Um, I, I don't have the list of job titles. Maybe that's another blog article. But as you start seeing, um, you know, folks being defined in the IT organizations whose job it is to go work with OT, uh, they become the bridge. And if someone is trying to sell into an organization, identifying those kind of people um, uh, will become increasingly important because then they can be the catalyst. They can be your uh, your guides uh, through the organization. So it, it really seems that that you know what you're saying is there there you you do need that uh, domain expertise and and that ability to bridge these multiple domains uh, you know to to really be able to successfully uh, you know push through some of the some of the cultural differences. I um, I, I want to circle back to another one of your blog posts, which you alluded to earlier, and that's the uh, that's the long tail of IoT, and uh, and just get your thoughts on on how 
this you know this idea of a of a of a long tail market where you have these you know highly specialized uh, potentially very vertical um, use cases and 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 solution areas uh, impacts the development of the market in and and how you know how you would contrast this long tail of IoT to for instance the enterprise software market. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a it's a thing uh, you know very current on my mind. Um, and just to just to set context for everyone, uh, you know the long tail of IoT. Were, the concept of long tail was from Chris, uh, Chris Anderson's book, uh, The Long Tail, um, uh, and he applied it to websites. But but I find uh, I find that that. Uh, uh, you know, it's distribution on a standard curve that Chris highlighted, um, where uh, on the website, you know, majority of people just go to a handful of sites, and then everything else is very specializes in the long tail. In IoT, it's, it, you know, I think we're seeing the same thing, that the traditional in enterprise companies and industrial systems, those are the systems that... Uh, uh, that are first getting the value of IoT systems, uh, of IoT technologies of this concept. Um, the market is proven, um, and then the nascent ones, you know, you just don't have it. So for me, it, uh, you know, enterprise production monitoring, if you look at Oracle, for instance, Oracle has taken an approach of going vertical market-centric. So they're integrating sensor technology into the Oracle uh, production monitoring and Oracle asset monitoring first um, versus pushing a horizontal platform. Uh, that to me makes a lot of sense because they know that business. They are taking sensor IoT data, uh, but they're making it a part of their standardized um, applications. Um, and I believe is a much more pragmatic way of uh, pushing IoT in the short term. Um, another another point back to the platform side is that you know if I was a software vendor or a startup trying to build an IoT platform, I might look at the industrial guys who have their individual platforms and say, you need to swap out your platform with my new innovative thing. Um, I think that's that's a hard battle to win. Because, say, in buildings, in building management systems, those systems have been communicating to their set of, uh, you know, heaters, coolers, chillers, what have you, uh, for a long period of time. Uh, and trying to come in and displace that versus finding a way to integrate with them, um, I think, is a, is a more pragmatic way. Uh, and all of these examples sit, you know, in the in the center of the of the standard. Uh, uh, the standard curve rather than on the edge uh, or the long tail. Right. And I think what was a really insightful uh, analysis in, uh, in, in, your, in your long tail piece is, as well is that there are uh, a, a lot of applications that are, uh, that are potentially that, that, that do not res that are not replicable. And the you know the challenge is that you, you don't want to get into, or, or particularly if you're a vendor, you don't want to go too far down the path of uh, non-markets, as you describe it. Could you d provide a bit more color on uh, the avoiding non-markets and and how 
company that's investing in either from the uh, from the adoption uh, perspective as as an adopter, you know how to how to avoid getting uh, going too far down the path of just building a a bespoke one-off solution, and how participants or vendors uh, and and technology providers in the market can can evolve can avoid going down that rabbit hole of uh, non-replicable solutions. Yeah, I'll go back to the dinner conversation uh, that I was having with a couple of colleagues. And uh, uh, we were, there was a guy from L.A. and from the Valley, etc. So uh, the joke became that everyone in L.A. has a script, a movie script, right? Uh, Same is true for Bollywood. And everyone in the Valley has a startup idea. Um, I think in IoT, everyone has an idea of how they could add a sensor to something and, uh, um, and, uh, and believe that that would turn into a market. Um, I think the answer is that you probably won't find uh, self-referencing customers, you know, kind of the definition of a market, for a majority of the things that are on the long tail or, or just an idea to connect uh, a particular sensor. Um, and uh, uh, I actually have a checklist in that blog article that, that you can go through. You know, uh, and one of them is uh, are the customers self-referencing. So if you're a large company um, and you're looking at IoT, uh, looking at the the use cases that or or offers, you know, sales offers that you have in market. Uh, use Oracle as an example again. Uh, you know, where you have asset monitoring or you have production monitoring. And you may want greater insights, or you may want some predictive uh, models built on top of it. They're adding sensor data, proven market. Um, you understand the, what the sensor data can add value to. Um, uh, and in large company, you have to show returns um, uh, faster. Um, so they're just by applying, looking at your existing portfolio, looking at the existing offers, and then looking for adjacencies and extending them first, um, and then putting the other ideas that folks come up with in incubation uh, is, a, is a prudent way. And you can have your criteria of how you rank them, uh, and I've offered some. Uh, if you're a startup, um, you know, again, uh, you want a couple of reputable sales. So uh, avoiding the ones that are cool or maybe close to your own personal heart um, and being stepping back, being a little objective uh, and looking at the ones that are replicable, where the cost structure is viable. Um, uh, the returns aren't over multiple years and we can get a return over several quarters. Um, as much is also true for startups. Um, so, so I think applying some traditional business thinking um, to to this would would help uh, delineate non markets from the ones that you can extend in a meaningful way in the short term. Yeah, you just alluded to the uh, the bright shiny object syndrome, which is certainly a uh, it's 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 a I guess it's a it's a it's a syndrome that appears in you know in 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 technology and and financial markets pretty commonly, but but there are some newer technologies that are quite rele- relevant and do have some meaningful impact. I'd love to get your thoughts on the you know, potential 
leverage and, and uh, you know, downstream implications of the increasingly powerful artificial intelligence and machine learning technologies. How, how do you see these technologies impacting the evolution of the market? Um, it, it, yes, so so I think uh, uh, AI in particular um, is a fascinating topic. Everyone and you know, just like blockchain and IoT, um, uh, AI is now being touted by everybody. Um, I was at this event recently at the Haas School of Business. It's the Innovation Forum run by the Garwood Center, and we had this professor um, uh, Avi Goldfarb. And Avi has written a book, um, and the, what is really interesting is that the, the, the book is about AI, but it's called uh, Prediction Machines. Um, so, um, and he has some YouTube videos as well, which I thought were very, very well presented, where the hypothesis is beyond trying to AI at this time, is it about um, you know, building an iRobot, the, you know, the movie or, um, or, or building robots or artificial intelligence in that sense. But you're really building these mini prediction machines and, uh, you're applying, um, uh, the, uh, uh, you know, prediction models, uh, to decision theory. Um, so it's it's very pragmatic in that sense, and I would I, I strongly refer uh, you know recommend uh, the book the Prediction Machines by Avi Goldfarb. Uh, I, I think it's um, and also watch him on YouTube. From a personal experience, um, you know machine learning AI, uh, we have found that it is a lot more pragmatic um, uh, to look at things like adding machine learning algorithms to a known product. So you can add uh, vision um, uh, machine learning to a, uh, to a video stream. So uh, we have a video server product. And uh, one of the use cases that was fascinating was using uh, a machine learning to detect errors uh, at scale uh, on a fabric manufacturing plant. Um, and uh, so there you're using these emerging technologies, but you're applying it to, again, to a very pragmatic problem, um, which can be solved. Um, another learning from that is you really need to identify folks that can you know, do the machine learning or, um, uh, or train the model um, for and get people who have been doing that in that space for a while. So you're not trying to train people from the ground up. Um. No, that's that's great. And, and do you have any thoughts on uh, blockchain technologies and and the potential utility or relevance of of distributed ledger technologies for in in connected industry and, and IoT? Yeah, yeah, I'm sure there are uh, you know use cases for uh, traceability. Um, and, uh, you know, I hear my friends talk about them in, in different contexts and diamonds or supply chain, right? So it's again, tracing it through or even cold chain. Um, but I, I, again, I would, I would caution that, um, you know, distributed ledger technologies, uh, unless they get to scale, um, applying it to an area like IoT, which itself is emerging. Um, and being able to, uh, I believe there are constraints in the number of, you know, the, the number of transactions you can process. 
So, so either in IoT, if you're doing some, uh, uh, you know, tracing, um, you need to just work on the event. So you reduce the number of things that need to be uh, part of that tracing. Uh, or the technology, the blockchain technology really needs to scale. Um, and, and I believe there are lots of people looking at problems like that. But I would say that's still nascent, especially when applied to IoT. Yeah, it's uh, it's we, we, we certainly are in the early stages. I think a lot of people have uh, drawn parallels between the Internet in the early 1990s and the and the state of blockchain technologies today. But there is a lot of interesting uh, innovation happening um, when you now when you look at at uh, projects that have been successful or, or uh, either companies that are very successful in, in adopting uh, connected industry strategies. Uh, yeah, are, are, are there any lessons that uh, you can you can draw from uh, from a, from a success story? And and can you can you point to some uh, any notable examples of of really successful what we'll call successful IoT projects and implementations uh, that you know that really stand out to you? I, I'm sure there there are plenty in manufacturing, uh, but but actually I, I want to uh, uh, also talking about which companies. I, I found a recent announcement um, uh, between PTC and Rockwell particularly interesting um, uh, because you have a company that does have an IoT stack. They also have Kepware that does device connectors, and the other hand, you have an OT leader. Uh, in Rockwell, um, and uh, there's clearly a, a, a correlation uh, or, or value. So I think uh, um, maybe strategic partnerships like that are the ones where you can start bridging uh, a lot of the things that we have been discussing, uh, whether it's connecting, whether it's taking one market segment and combining your strengths and, and go-to-market abilities. Um, I think that's the kind of thing that I find intriguing in the industry at this time. Um, and I believe there, there's several other opportunities like that. Um, uh, in fact, my next article was going to be best of breed, which is how do you take a particular industry, um, identify the layers, the, the key uh, you know, uh, integration points, the points of risk, and how do you identify the best of breed vendors within that? Um, but then, you know, the, the, the integration of the partnerships have to be very, very deep. Um, they can't be at a cursory level because the devil does lie in the details. No, that's um, that's 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 truly and you know, true, very, you know, very insightful. I think the um, uh, you know, the the interesting evolution in the you know in the market has has come around these. Uh, these partnerships and uh, just recently we saw an insurance company Munich Re actually buying an IOT you know, edge platform uh, solutions company Relayer and you're 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 actually seeing this uh, in in many respects that uh, that partnership or that acquisition really validates the uh, the fact that there is is you know, a truly you know a, 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 a We'll say you know much greater value from uh, from combining the 
the, the, the company for business value than there than there would be just even through partnership. So it's it's kind of nice to see that. Um, you know, how do you see the, the you know the this the the market evolving over the next decade? Uh, are are there some uh, some some catalysts that uh, that should be looking looking at, or any particular uh, forces that are you're keeping your eye on? Um, so, so I want to go back to the Relayer thing. I, I think a friend of mine sent me in, uh, an excerpt of that agreement. And in that excerpt, um, uh, there was this, this uh, item uh, where um, uh, instead of, I think there was an observation that instead of focusing on five or six markets, uh, our company should focus on one or two. Um, so if you go to any any of the IoT vendor sites that are looking at different industries, um, uh, they tend to be they tend to cover and hedge their bets across five or six because who knows which what might be attractive to a customer. But I think this observation was focus on one or two and go deep and succeed in those, and then you can extend it. Um, you probably be a lot more credible in those particular market that you have. Uh, really selected uh, to focus on. So I thought, I thought that is a really important observation for the next uh, uh, for the next few years. Um, is that don't go as broad as possible. And I'm certainly taking that to heart. Um, take a particular market. Um, so I think that will pave the way for what happens in the, in the subsequent set of years. Um, is Industry-specific solutions that take the industry platforms, bring in IoT data, make it contextual, um, and then deliver value uh, to customers at the right price point from a total cost of ownership, and do it in a replicable way. So, uh, and I can't see you know um, five, ten years out. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's uh, well, it's 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 hard enough to predict the weather in the next week, right? <laughs> except if you're except if you're in LA. I mean, that's uh, we just came back from there. It seems like that's that's that that's pretty easy. Um, but I'd love to get a sense of of any interesting uh, or promising startups or, or or technologies you've seen recently. Or are is, are are there any are there any interesting companies you're you're keeping your eyes on? Yeah, this one, um, especially because of all the AI hype, uh, it's called it's a company called Brighton.io, um, and they're doing some very uh, vertical, um, uh, solving for some very vertical use cases um, in speech. Um, I think I think the site is uh, no, actually, actually Brighton.ai, um, not IO, so Brighton.ai. Um, and, and the idea would be that in particular industries, uh, you need speech for very particular purposes, right? Um, that, that instead of general purpose platforms, uh, like you have from the, the, the top platform vendors, um, they will customize and deliver you solutions. So for industrial, if you, if you have particular environments that you need speech optimized, it's a lot easier to optimize it for that area. Um, and uh, I think Brighton, again, is, cons- is consistent with the discussion we've been having of narrowing the focus, uh, delivering against it, and then expanding from there. Yeah, that's uh, that's really interesting. I had a, a conversation earlier in one of our blog posts with um, 
Now, Mike Flanagan over at SAP, and he's he's talking about his view that ultimately, if so much compute will be uh, essentially, I mean, it'll be driven by speech, uh, speech recognition, and that we will have a much more ubiquitous fabric of of services and and technology really embedded around us, and I and and I think that's uh, that's a super interesting uh, area. It, it it ties in well with the you know the other themes I think you were you had brought up, which is this this need for you know vert- the need to go vertical and 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 not try to boil the ocean as it were in uh, in, in connected industry. So. Um, so I have one final question that I always like to ask, which is a which is a recommendation uh, for a for a good book or resource for uh, for our listeners, and uh, any it, it could be anything that uh, that you would gift to to a friend. Well, I used to always quote um, you know a, a book from long ago. Uh, it was called Made in Japan by the president of uh, Sony at that time, Akio Morita, M O R I T A. Um, you know, he really talks about um, his identifying accidentally, I might add, um, the need for a Walkman was really the, to have uh, uh, portability of music, uh, right, and shrinking it in a time when everyone is carrying around boomboxes. Um, but, uh, and it's a fascinating book in any case, because I think the iPod, this, that, and the other, uh, continue that, that theme, if you will, of music portability. I think this can be applied to many, many, many industries where you step back and look at the underlying transformation, um, uh, and, and being the first to get to it. Um, now I recently just two weeks ago, uh, from the birthday forum, I, I really, really like Avi. Uh, Goldfarb, A-V-I, G-O-L-D, F-A-R-B, uh, his book, The the Prediction Machine, because it, it is a level of clarity on how you can use uh, AI uh, today. Um, and they really break it down into a very simple systemic way of, uh, uh, of using these prediction machines and filling in gaps between data. Um, as a way that you can start uh, doing it today uh, rather than waiting for whatever future of um, of AI folks are envisioning. Now those are uh, those are great recommendations. I'm definitely going to make sure I get them on my uh, on my Kindle. So um, anyway, well that's it's been a great conversation, Param. Uh, this is again this has been Ed McGuire Insights Partner at Momentum Partners, and we've been speaking with Param Singh, who's uh, head of Cisco's IoT platforms and partnerships. Uh, we will have links to the uh, to the books in the show notes, and certainly if if there are any questions or comments, uh, we always welcome them. So, Param, thank you so much again for for taking the time to uh, to speak with us today. Uh, oh, wonderful! Always good to talk to to you and to Momenta. I appreciate it. Great. Take care. Thank you for listening to the Momenta Intelligent Edge podcast. We rely on feedback, comments, and input from our listeners. So please interact with us by going to our LinkedIn page, our Twitter accounts, or email us at edge at momenta.partners with any suggestions, guest ideas, 
or commentary, we really value your input and appreciate your listening. Thanks a lot. This is Ed McGuire, Insights Partner with Momenta Partners.